put our hands together and rejoice in the Lord this morning. Are you happy to be in the house of the Lord today? That this is the day that the Lord has made and we are rejoicing and we are being glad in it and we're grateful for another opportunity to be here today in the service of the Lord and we um, salute Pastor Dale and Miss Jill on their 38th wedding anniversary. Let's give them some love this morning. Good to see everybody in the house of the Lord on today. I want to invite your attention to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23. And we're preaching from the subject today, the word will stand and so can you. The word will stand and so can you. Uh, 1 Peter chapter 1 And we're going to begin our reading there, verse 23, and it says, Being born again, not a corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which lives and abides forever. Verse 24, for all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man is the flower of grass. The grass withers, and the flower thereof falls away. Verse 25, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this great privilege and opportunity you've given us once again to preach and teach your word. We thank you for every person that has ears to hear, hearts to receive, and minds to accept your word. As the word of the Lord goes forth, I pray that the Holy Spirit will minister to every need individually and collectively. We thank you, Lord, that because of your word, you are our help, you are our hope, and you are our healing. Let signs, wonders, and miracles, mighty works, and mighty deeds follow the preaching and teaching of your word. And we will rejoice from this moment until eternity. And it is in the blessed name of Jesus we pray and we give you thanks. And all God's people said amen. Amen. May the Lord bless you. You may take your seat. The word will stand, and so can you. The word stand means to uphold or sustain the authority or force of a thing, to be of a steadfast mind, one who does not hesitate or waver from principles. The Word of God is the most important documentation that the Lord has left to the church. There are principles that should influence all that we believe, teach, and practice in order to grow spiritually and become everything that the Lord has ever intended or has in mind for all of us to be. Because we are followers and we are disciples of Christ. The word can and will change the lives of those who hear it and exercise faith in it that will assist them in meeting every need in their lives and granting them the desires of their hearts according to what God has promised. 
And God wants his word to be the dominant force in the life of the church. He wants his word to be the dominant force in the lives of believers because the word of God is the change agent. Because it produces life, it produces health, it produces blessing of a spiritual and material nature. And looking at this text um, this morning in 1 Peter 1, we all know that Peter was once a roughneck, uneducated fisherman from Galilee. But because of the word of God, he was transformed into one of Jesus' greatest apostles. That word had such an immense impact upon his life, and he continued to use this name given to him by Christ. Of course, we know that his original name was Simon. He was named after Simeon, who was one of the sons of Jacob by his wife Leah. And that word Simeon or, or Simon means hearing by acceptance. But when Jesus uh, met Andrew in John chapter 1, the Bible says that Andrew went and got his brother Peter so he could meet Jesus. And so when Simon met Jesus, the first thing that Jesus said to him, he said, and thou shalt be called Cephas. In John 1 and 42, thou shalt be called Cephas, which is by interpretation a stone. And Cephas is the Aramaic version of the word of the Greek word Petros, which is a detached but large fragment of rock. And this is a, a prophetic implication of Peter having firmness and strength of soul in his life. It just simply needed to be channeled or structured in the right direction. You know, and one thing I found out about, about the Lord, when he saves us, he doesn't change our personality because he was the one that gave us our personality. But our personalities are used for the advancement of the kingdom of God as opposed to the advancement of the kingdom of darkness. And, and when Jesus, it's, it's interesting, when Jesus met him, Jesus did not call him by his birth name. He called him by his apostolic name. He called him Cephas. So that tells me that Jesus will always call us what we will someday become. He will call us that that we will eventually grow into that seems too big for us to handle at the time. And I was thinking about this um, on last week. It's kind of like when I was coming up as a kid, you know, my parents, they would take us um, school shopping, you know, to get school clothes for the fall. And, and one of the things my parents did, maybe they won't listen to this message, but one, <laughs> one of the things that they did that I personally disliked was that they would always buy clothes a size too large. You know, and they would buy our shoes a size too large. You know, I would complain silently because, you know, during that time, you didn't talk like the parents. You know, any, any opinions that you had, you spoke to yourself silently. You kept it to yourself 
Because if they ever say, what did you say? You know you were in trouble. But I would silently complain about my clothes being too big. I didn't want to go to school looking like a clown. But the reason why my parents bought our clothes a size too big, because they had confidence that we would grow into them. Wow. And, and that's exactly what the Lord does. The Lord will give us assignments where it appears to us that we're too big, that, it, that the assignment is too big for us to handle at the time. But the reason why the Lord would give us an assignment that appears to us that is too big for us to handle at the time is because the Lord knows that we're going to grow into it. And, and we have to understand that growth facilitates change and change creates an environment for growth. And so by Peter becoming an apostle, an apostle is one sent from someone else with credentials on a mission to act in that person's name. So Peter was sent from Jesus with credentials on a mission to act in Jesus' name. That word apostle is the Greek word apostello. Apple means from, stello means to sin, that he was sent from Jesus. And think about how Peter had accomplished much of his ministry as the book of Acts indicates. He preaches to massive crowds. He demonstrates miraculous healings. He raises the dead. He is supernaturally delivered from prison. He actually changes his uh, prejudicial views, thinking that salvation was just exclusive to Jews. When Peter had his rooftop trance or his rooftop vision at Simon the Tanner's house, he received a revelation from God that God just didn't want to save Jews, but, but that he wanted to save Gentiles as well. And so about 25 years after Jesus had been raised from the dead, uh, Peter gives the dictation for, for this uh, epistle or these two epistles that was written. Um, Mark, who wrote the Gospel of Mark, we're told is responsible for writing this as, 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 as Peter began to give dictation to him to write. But this epistle is given to believers scattered throughout the Roman Empire that he had never met, emphasizing how salvation had been revealed, it had been purchased, and how it is to be accepted and applied and appropriated to one's life, and the origin of it is the word of God. And Peter stands with the word because he experienced it firsthand in his life in walking with Jesus. And one thing about it, when you have an experience with the Lord, nobody can take that experience away from you. It doesn't matter how much they try to debate, deliberate, and dispute your experience. It doesn't take anything away from that experience. Once you've had it, no one can ever rob you of it. And so Peter being able to see the Holy Spirit work in his own life and his own ministry after the ascension of Christ is what gave him the incentive 
to stand with the word. But think about this. It, it just wasn't a matter of, of Peter standing with the word, but the word also stood with Peter when he wouldn't stand with the word. Because there was a time that he denied the word three times before the rooster crowed. But the word just didn't stand with Peter, but the word stood him up and propped him up when he fell completely down. And when he denied the word three times, the word restored him three times to return him to his rightful place with Christ. And so I want to show you in this text today three reasons why the word will stand and so can you. Three reasons why the word will stand and so can you. Number one, it's power. It's power. If you will look here in verse 23, it says, Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which lives and abides forever. Somebody say, it's power. The word power is the Greek word energies from what we get the English word energy. It means that the word is active, it's impactful, it's results producing, it's operative, it's alive, it has great strength. Hebrews 4 and 12 says, for the word of God is quick and powerful, sharpening any two-edged sword. It divides asunder the soul and spirit, the joints and the marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. It's quick, full of vigor, strong, efficient. It lives and it breathes. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 3.16, all scriptures given by inspiration of God. Theonousis in the Greek. Theo means God. Nousis means to breathe. When you open up the word, you can feel his air blowing on your skin. Because it's the, living, it's the living word of God. The word of God will penetrate your five senses, your human spirit, and will adequately proclaim what we ought to be in Christ. The word will begin to sift out and analyze evidence of what we need to be in Christ. The word knows your motives and your purposes behind your actions. And even when you're judged by others inaccurately, because they don't understand why you do what you do, the word of God has the ability to judge your actions because God, he knows the thoughts and the intents of your heart. He knows the desires that you have in your heart to do well and to be well and to have well. So when other people don't read you right, isn't it good to know that the word of God can read you right? says the word of God is quick and powerful, and it says sharper than any two-edged sword. In the Greek, it means to cut decisively and comprehensively with one stroke, as opposed to hacking repeatedly. So Peter said, being born again. Being born again, taking your proper place and position before God because you're justified. You've been declared legally righteous in God's sight. 
See, when Jesus came, Jesus didn't come demanding righteousness. He came declaring righteousness. That's just like if I walk up to somebody right now and I ask for a $20 bill and they don't have it. And then I take a $20 bill out of my pocket and I give it to them. The only requirement is I want them to give that $20 back to me. And so that's what Jesus did with righteousness. The law came around and said, do you have any righteousness? You say, no, I don't have any to give. So what Jesus did, he came and gave you his righteousness. And Jesus simply wants you to give that righteousness back unto him because you understand the source of your righteousness. It didn't come from you, but it came from Jesus himself. So it says being, being born again, being born again. And so the Lord takes away that transgression and that guilt and he replaces it with his righteousness. And when we're born again, it means to begin new spiritually, to have one's mind changed so that you live a new life and be one conformed to spiritual and scriptural principles. When you're born again, you're regenerated, regenerated. You get a new pair of jeans, not J-E-A-N-S, but G-E-N-E-S. You're regenerated. When you're born again, you have a change of nature. You're literally born into God's family and you're given Christ's nature. You've been born of heaven. You've been born of above. You've experienced the inception of a new stage of things in contrast with the old. When you're born again, you are reconnected with your original divine nature. When you are born again, you are no longer a foreigner to spiritual things. There's a transaction that is taking place where we are dominated by nature to be and to do right more than by nature to be and do wrong. When you're born again, it cannot be faked. It cannot be copied. It cannot be manufactured by human means. We get to know God and ourselves all over again for the first time. And I'm here to tell you, it happens on an ongoing basis. Now, when Peter wrote it, he didn't say, he didn't say be born again. He said being born again, which means that it is a continual tense. You may have experienced an initial act of faith of surrendering your life to Jesus, but your faith is a continuing action. See, because when you're born again, it's not the end of a thing, but it's the beginning of a new thing. When you're born again, you are just getting started. And just because you have a few days or weeks or months or even years under your belt, it doesn't necessarily mean that you have stopped being born again. We are obtaining or experiencing multiple opportunities, choices, and challenges for change and evolution. Dr. John Phillips, who is the English theologian, he told a story about this doctor that was dying. And he had a visitor to come over to begin to talk with him about 
receiving Christ into his life. So that particular visitor began to use multiple scriptures to try to minister to this doctor, but it seemed like it just wasn't clicking. So what the visitor decided to do, he read the first three words of that text I just read, being born again, and the doctor lit up. He said, that's it. That's what I needed. I just need to know how to be born again. He said, in my profession as a doctor, he said, I deliver hundreds of babies. And he said, there are two things I know. He said, number one, when a baby is born, it has no past. And secondly, when a baby is born, all it has is a future. And as it is in the natural, so it is in the spiritual. That when you are born again, you have no past. All you have is a future. The focus is on what's ahead of you and not what's behind you. So once we're born of the spirit, in the mind of God, we have no past. And when we're born again, we take on the mind of Christ. And by us taking on the mind of Christ, we receive it in our spirit that we have no past because it's all been washed away by the blood of Jesus. And all you have is a future in living out the fullness of your born again experience. You know, the old hymn said that the old account was settled long ago. And my record's clear today. He washed my sins away because the old account was settled long ago. You, you know, my sins have been forgiven and washed away by the blood of Jesus. And I have been released. I have been expurgated. I have been set free. Jesus cleaned up the crime scene with his blood. And so when the law, when the authorities came up to arrest me, I, I got off scot-free because Jesus cleaned up the crime scene with his blood. All you have is a future. In living in the fullness of the spirit and not in the, in the newness of the spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. And can I tell you something else? There are no degrees of salvation, but there are only degrees of growth in your salvation. That's why Peter said, being born again. That we experience continual development, advancement, and progress. See, being born again doesn't end the process but it begins the process. Just like when a woman is pregnant, that pregnancy is revealed in growth. She is no more pregnant the first month than the ninth month. But the, with, with the, tri, the purpose of the trimesters is for the growth of the fetus that's on the inside of her. Now think about this. The baby that's in her, as it grows, she shows. And once you know that you've been born of the Spirit, 
you grow in being born again. In other words, our growing is a revelation of our knowing and it's demonstrated in our showing. All right, let me say it like this. Sometimes, and, and, and we have to be careful that, um, and, and, I, had, and I, learned, I, I learned this the hard way. That there are three things that you, that you don't say to a woman. You don't ask a woman um, how old she is, how much she weighs, and if she's pregnant or not. And all the brothers said, You just don't do that. But if you happen to find out if a woman is pregnant, (laughs) you know, people have a tendency of asking, they say, how far along are you? (laughs) If you're not able to pinpoint the growth. So those of us who are born again, the question is, how far along are you? You know, you say you're born again. You say you know Jesus. You say that you're saved, but how far along are you? So if there is a birthing that is taking place inside of you, there ought to be some showing. There ought to be some evidence that you are growing in your salvation. 2 Peter 3.18 says, but we are to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so you grow in your being born again, and you automatically show that you're being born again. So Peter shows us the only way we can be born again and the only way we cannot be born again. He says here, being born again, not a corruptible seed. So it doesn't come by mortal procreation because we are liable to death, subject to decay, by way of the flesh that carries no possibility of redemption. So it doesn't, being born again doesn't occur by being born in the right family or going to church or joining the church or being baptized in water, taking communion or have your name on a membership roll or doing good deeds. Now, these things do not necessitate a changed spiritual life because there are people who do these things who do not have A changed spiritual life. But we do these things as a result of change in our spiritual lives. Because how we're born again? By the seed of the word of God that is incorruptible. It is not liable to corruption or decay. It's imperishable. Think about it. The fall of man began when we wouldn't believe the word of God. But the rise of man began when we believe the word of God. I, I, I love this. I heard Dr. James Ford say this. He said that when you're born the first time, your mother had to tell you. But when you're born the second time is when you go tell your mother. So the seed of the word of God is incorruptible. Once that word gets in you and gets to work on your spirit, your mind, and your body, that word in you cannot be destroyed. 
And it is the Holy Spirit that plants the sperm of the word in our hearts to quicken our conscience, to remind us of who we are in creation. And once we believe it with our hearts, confess it with our mouths that Jesus is Lord of our lives, the blood cleanses our hearts and spiritual growth begins to take place. Every born again believer should be a lifelong learner in the word of God. You never get to a place in your spiritual life where you stop or you put your spiritual life on autopilot or cruise control. We are not to be surface readers, but we ought to be researchers and miners where we ought to be digging out the truths that come out of the word of God. We ought to be constantly digging to find wisdom and knowledge and understanding of the word of God. Now we have the word with us, but the question is, can you dig it? You know, because the, 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 the minnows are on the surface. But if you want to get the big fish, you got to go out into the deep. So this word, it lives and abides forever. It continues to be fresh and full of vigor and spiritual energy, Holy Spirit activity that supports your divine life when you yield to his divine authority. You work the word, the word will work for you. It will remain in your life throughout an unbroken age of eternity. So if we, the word will stand and so with us because of his power. Secondly, because of its permanence, its permanence. Here in verse 24, it says, for all flesh is grass. And all the glory of man is the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower thereof falls away. And the A clause of verse 25, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Somebody say it's permanence. The word permanent means to remain unchanged indefinitely. You can't change the word, but the word is designed to change you. In the last part of verse 23, it says the word of God lives and abides forever. It will remain permanent. It will continue to be present. The word will remain when everybody else's word will be long forgotten. You know, and, and proof of that is, and I know there's some witnesses here in the building, the doctor gave his word, but you're still alive because of this word. There's some people that can attest to the fact that the lawyer gave his word, but you didn't go under financially because you have this word. The critics gave their word that you would never make it, but you're still moving forward because of this word. So that tells me that everyone else's word isn't the last word if it isn't the word of the Lord. Jesus said in Matthew 24 and 35, he said, heaven and earth shall pass away. But my word shall not pass away. 
In other words, Jesus said, my word will not be neglected, it will not be ignored, and it will not be disregarded. Psalm 138, verse 2, the psalmist said, I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. For thou hast magnified your word above all your name. That means that the word will grow, become great and important in our lives when we take the responsibility to promote and praise his word. Peter said, all flesh is grass. All systems of man-made religion. Rules, rites, rituals, and routines. Teachings that are denominationally bent. Practices that are in direct opposition to divine principles laid down. And we know this is all about religious control that involves domination, intimidation, and manipulation. Wearisome observances, endless regulations that bind, limit, restrict, and constrict. The objective is to keep people in bondage so people can look to them instead of the Lord. Peter said all flesh is grass. When people look to a system instead of the Savior, when they look to instructions that are oppressive and difficult to bear, hard to obey and irksome, but these things will have a temporary effect because in comparison to the word of God, they are but as grass. Beautiful green and tender in appearance. Religious flesh always has a nice appearance. But there's no anointing behind the appearance. This means that religious flesh has no durability. It changes during seasons as grass does. It changes the rules to prefer some and exclude others. It is extremely temporal. So Peter derives these verses from Isaiah 46 through 8 in which he contrasts that which is begotten by man and that which is begotten by God. He said the glory, the beauty, and the appearance is like a flower. That flesh will always have its time of blossoming. But there will be a time that it will wither, it will dry and dissipate. And it will fall. It will cast away from a place you cannot keep. But he said, but in contrast to humanity, and the propagation of religious straitjacketing and false doctrine, Peter said, the word of the Lord, it'll stand firm on his own feet as God himself. John 1.1 1, 1 says, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God, and we all know Jesus is, is the word. So we can see that in the beginning was Jesus, and Jesus was with God, and Jesus was God. So if the word is in you, you can stand with the word because the word will stand with you. <laughs> that word with is a preposition which means nearness and connection at close proximity. It will continue to be present for the permanent 
recognition of his true character. The word will stand and so can you. As long as the word is in you, it doesn't matter how much the storm comes, the wind blows, the rain pours through fires, through floods, because the word is in you, you will be able to stand. So the word will stand, and so can you because of its power, because of its permanence, and thirdly and finally, because of its proclamation. Its proclamation. There in the B clause of verse 25, it says, and this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. Somebody say it's proclamation. proclamation. Comes from the root word proclaim, which means to announce officially and publicly. To declare something one considers important with due emphasis. Peter said, and this is the word. Divine scripture spoken by the mouth of God and written by the finger of God and inspired by the breath of God. Romans 10, 17 says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It, everything you hear won't cause your faith to come. Everything you hear won't cause your faith to rise. Everything you hear won't cause your faith to to come alive. But when you hear the word of God, it gives shock treatment to your faith. He said, and this is the word by which the gospel, the good news of God's saving grace to all men to announce glad tidings. You know, the bridge between somebody's life being unchanged and their life being changed is them hearing the gospel being preached. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 1 and 18, he said that, that through the foolishness of preaching are the reason why men believe. It's the preaching of the cross that men considers to be foolishness. But those of us who are being saved, remember Peter said being born again? But those of us who are being saved, it is the power of God. And then in verse 21, he said that it is through the foolishness of preaching that saves men that believe. That word foolishness is the Greek word moria, M-O-R-I-A, from where we get the English word moron or moronic. In other words, it is absurd to the human mind that God would use this, me this method of preaching for men and women to be saved. It may look foolish, it may look moronic to the world, but it works. It was through the preaching of the word that I was born again. It was, pre it was through the preaching of the word that you were born again. And it is through the preaching of the word that the world can and will be saved. Amen. This is how we're saved. This is how we're born again when we hear the word of God. Because you can't be born again without it. If 
we will learn to put the word in our situation and put it on our situation, we'll begin to see the situation change. And the situation begins with you. In other words, it's what you put in your situation and what you put on your situation that will determine if your situation is going to change. If you're sick in your body, put the word on it. If you're confused in your mind, put the word on it. If you're troubled in your heart, put the word on it. If you're empty in your pocketbook, put the word on it. If your home is out of order, put the word on it. Church can't unify, put the word on it. When we learn to put the word on it, we'll begin to see our situation change. And if you stand for the word, the word will stand with you. Proverbs 4 and 22 says that the word of God is life to those of us who find it and health to all of our flesh. Marpa in Hebrew, that word health means medicated, a medicated prescription. That the word of God is a medicated prescription to all of our flesh. You know, just like you go to the doctor and he write a prescription in a language that you don't understand. What do you do? Do you put it in your pocket and go home? You're going to get that prescription. You're going to take it to the pharmacy. And then there's, there's a pharmacist there that can interpret what's being written. And then he or she will fill your prescription. You know, oftentimes we get messages from the Lord that we don't understand. But that's why we need to take our prescription and come to the pharmacy, which is Grace Point Church at 2206 East Hill Avenue in Valdosta, Georgia. And there's a pharmacist here by the name of Dale Young. And his assistant is standing for him today. And we'll take your prescription. We will interpret the language. We'll get your prescription fulfilled, filled, and most importantly, used as directed. And God will provide the remedy for your malady. We're saved because of the word, healed because of the word. We're blessed because of the word. We're anointed because of the word. We have favor because of the word. Doors are open because of the word. Ways are being made because of the word. Miracles transpire because of the word. Every single solitary thing that's ever happened in your life that was good. It wasn't by your intelligence. It wasn't by your connections. It wasn't because of your phone calls. It wasn't because of who you knew. But it was because of the word of the living God that began to work on your behalf. Because if you work the word, the word will work for you. You know, we've spent years going with other people's word. And it did not work. So since we spent time going with other people's word and it didn't work, we might as well go with God's word that will work. 
and it will work when you work it. With no additives, no preservatives, no artificial colors or flavors. You're, listen, you're not going to get the generic medication. You're going to get the real medication. Because this is the word of God. And that's why when the word is preached, when substance takes priority over sound, when what is preached is more important than how it's preached, when scholarship is more important than showmanship, when doctrine is more important than debate, when impact is more important than impression, when truth is more important than triviality, we'll start seeing change in our own lives. We'll start seeing change in our homes. We'll start seeing change on our jobs. We'll start seeing change in our communities. We'll start seeing change in our city. We'll start seeing change around the world. We have a responsibility as born-again believers in Jesus Christ. We've got to get this word out to the world because if the world needs anything they need the word of God and as long as we stand with the word the word is going to stand with us you don't have to worry about stumbling you don't have to worry about falling you don't have to worry about tripping you don't have to worry about half-stepping because that word in you is going to make you rise up. That word in you is not going to allow you to have a pity party. That word in you is not going to allow you to feel sorry for yourself. That word in you won't allow you to give up. That word in you won't allow you to give in. That word in you won't allow you to give up. That word in you won't allow you to give out. That word in you won't allow you to throw in the towel. That word in you will be better than the energizer bunny you will keep going and going and going and going and going out of everything you've gone through in your life people don't understand and some will never understand and you don't have to try to explain to people why you're still making it It's all because of the word. The reason why we're all still here is because of the word of God. Paul said it's not by works of righteousness which we have done. But it's according to his mercy that he saved us. By the washing, I believe it's Titus 3 and 9, by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. No matter what you're going through, remember the word that's in you. And that word in you, it won't let you quit. It won't let you give up. Stand to your feet. Somebody rejoice in the Lord today for his word. going to ask the ministry team to come. We talked about being born again by an incorruptible seed, which is God's word. And if you want to receive that 
free gift of eternal life that comes through Jesus Christ. You can come today and receive that free gift. Or whatever you need the Lord to do in your life. He'll manifest himself on your behalf. And it's all based on the word of God. The Bible says, 1 John 5, 7, there are three to bear record in heaven. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. Will there be one today? If you want to be born again, if you want prayer, want these leaders to pray with you, be in agreement for you, for your miracle, this is your opportunity. Because the Word will stand, so can you. Will there be one? Let us look to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you today for your word, and we pray that your Holy Spirit will accomplish his intended purpose in every heart and every life today. As they had the faith to receive this word, demonstrate your presence, your power, and your provision on their behalf in the days, weeks, months, and years to come. And we rejoice today, Lord, because the words you speak unto us, they are spirit and they are life. And we bless you for this experience. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, may the Lord bless you today.